it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Everybody and welcome to Get Mental Radio here on The Answer San Diego, 1170 AM and 96.1 FM in North County. Thank you for being with us today. Today we have the honor of having El Cajon Mayor Bill Wells talk with us about homelessness and the mental health crisis in America. This is your host Cecile Ahrens, owner of Transcend Therapy, where we provide individual, couples, and family counseling. You can check us out at transcendtherapyca.com. That's transcendtherapyca.com. You may also listen to our podcast, Get Mental, wherever you listen to your podcast. And you also may join our Facebook group page, Get Mental, for um, updates and additional support. For those of you new to the show, Get Mental is where we discuss all things mental health, normalize conversations, and simplify concepts and language regarding mental health. Get Mental believes we need to create a space for mental health awareness using various forms of media. Our guest today has been the mayor of El Cajon since 2013. He is a clinical psychologist by education and training. He is the owner and CEO of Broadwell Behavioral Health. And more importantly, he is a loving husband, father to two veterans, and a grandfather. Uh, Mayor Wells believes in the values of compassion, self-determination, protecting our rights as stated in the U.S. Con- Constitution, and um, relevant to our topic today, he believes in addressing the mental health crisis in a meaningful way, which includes drug addiction and homelessness. So without further ado, welcome uh, Mayor Bill Wells. Oh, thanks. So you really did your homework. <laughs> Yes, yes. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you're a very busy man. Oh, this will be fun. Great. So, um, you know, I'm really curious. Do you think that your mental health background has um, influenced the way you lead and address the mental health uh, problems in your city? There's no doubt. Um, When I interact with other people who are involved in politics, it's a great group of folks, but they usually fall into a couple of different categories. You've got a lot of people that are insurance salesmen. You've got attorneys. Right. You've or got businessmen. <clears throat> you've got people that own their own businesses. Um, but very rarely people from the medical field or people from the uh, psychiatric or psychology fields. Correct. And so I've had the opportunity to kind of restructure some of the conversations that we've had where a lot of those conversations are ignorant I mean, not right. not in a not in a mean kind of way, but just to, if you hadn't worked in the field, you you really would would know. know. People people buy into a lot of fallacies and and concepts that are kind of common knowledge, but not really true. Right. And so I, I think it's been a a good opportunity for me to get in and give a different perspective. And I frankly, when it comes to politics, I think we should have people from all over and from lots of different backgrounds getting involved in politics because that's what the whole political system in America was designed for, was for, for people to leave their jobs right. for a, a small period of time and to come in and invest in the country or invest in the, ci- the city or state. Yes. And then go back to work. But, but it really wasn't designed for professional politicians. Right. And, and, and so I think it's good when people come in from other backgrounds. Yes. And how did your journey as a politician start? Like you were, I know you were very much involved in the mental health field, especially running your own company. Yeah. What actually, made you want to <clears throat> do this? Well, I never really had any thoughts of doing it at all, but I was working for a hospital. I was a, the assistant administrator of, of a psychiatric hospital. Okay. And we had some problems with Governor Gray Davis way back. If you remember that, you were probably young. <laughs> but, I remember. <laughs> there was money from what we call disproportionate share funding. 
So some hospitals that took a lot of Medi-Cal and or, or took a lot of unfunded patients, the state and the federal government would make up for it by giving you a check at the end of every year to kind of make up for all the free business that you gave away. And we had that written into our business plan in our budget. And Gray Davis decided, well, I'm just going to keep it. And that threw all the hospitals into a shock wave. Wow. And I was dispatched up to uh, Sacramento to get to know as many uh, assembly people and state senators as I could to put influence upon Gray Davis to give us our money back. Mm-hmm. And um, so the start of the journey for me that I, I had never expected. Right. And, was, and it just sparked this this light in you to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth, the, the real truth was that I was intimidated when I first started I the process. Uh, thinking, well, these people are going to be the smartest people I've ever met. They're going to be way head and shoulders above me. And then I realized they're not. They're just folks. Right. And there's no reason that I didn't have enough going on in my own brain to to compete in that arena. Right. So um, eventually I started uh, volunteering and getting a little bit more involved in the Republican Party. I'm a conservative Republican, conservative Christian Republican, just to get it all on the table. Yes. And um, I thought they would have me stuff envelopes, but they said, can you run for office? Wow. And so I ran, and I had, I, in 2004, I ran for a school board. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked me to the <clears throat> day before filing. Uh, I run, ran the worst campaign in the history of campaigns. And, and I, <laughs> I, I, I lost uh, by like a half a percentage point to, uh, to a woman that actually had uh, dementia. And <laughs> I, I, I was a little discouraged because I thought, I mean, how could that possibly happen? It's politics. <clears throat> but you learn. You learn how to do mm-hmm. a better campaign. And then I ran for, um, after that, I uh, spent four years on the planning commission in El Cajon. And then I ran for uh, city council. Like I won in 2008. Right. And then <clears throat> in and then 2013, mayor. our mayor was uh, sick and had some problems and had to resign. So I took over that for a short period of time. Right. But then I ran and won. And so now I'm in my uh, six, second, six, second term. Second and a half term as mayor. Yes. And, yeah. Well, you know, I know, you know, as a politician, people always have mixed feelings about about um, their mayor. <clears throat> but um, I did a little research and it sounds like you've done a great job trying to address the homelessness uh, problem in your city. What can you tell us about the mental health and homelessness situation in El Cajon? <clears throat> what progress has been made and what challenges remain? Well, I can tell you homelessness um, is the number one priority of my administration, I think it's probably the number one priority of every city in California right now. Right. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. <clears throat> uh, we have seen a huge increase in the number of homeless people on the streets. Yes. And we've seen a, a, a change in the kind of person that becomes homeless. For years and years and years, we had a, a set group of people that were homeless. That were pretty predictable. Very predictable. Our police officers knew them all by name. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of usually alcoholic yes. folks that would sleep on the street near the liquor store and, and usually the, nonviolent, right? Yeah, they're 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 usually more of the kind of person that would would ask for handouts and right and be passive. Yep. Um, and then we about five years ago we started seeing a, a huge change in the way that the homeless behaved. Um, they were more aggressive. They were younger. Mm. They were more mobile. A lot of them rode bikes. <clears throat> they were um, aggressively panhandling, um, intimidating people on the right. streets, intimidating women trying to go from their car to the grocery store. Right. And um, a lot more crimes were being committed in the right. homeless community. And <clears throat> we looked into that, and I, I looked into that. At the same time, I was um, doing some work in emergency rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, you doing, were still practicing. Yeah, doing oh, psychiatric wow. evaluations. I, um, I, you should know I've never been uh, done a whole lot of therapy, uh, as, you know, traditional therapy like you do, sure. and like my wife does. She she's a very good therapist. I, I I'm I'm far too ADHD for that. I, <laughs> I, I like. We all have our own <clears throat> uh, uh, strengths. I've been real involved in the businesses of hospitals mm-hmm. and of, and clinically, I kept my skills up by working in emergency rooms and and working with the severely mentally ill. Doing crisis intervention. Yep. Yep. A lot of fifty one fifties people were brought in. 
by the police on hold. So. Sure. For the audience who doesn't know what 5150 is, that's um, when someone is a danger to themselves. Yeah, it's a 72-hour hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were saying... Going back to... <clears throat> I, I knew that from working in the hospitals that probably 90 to 95% of the people that we would see in the hospitals tested positive for methamphetamines. Wow. So I went and talked to the... That's, fo- the, that's the new alcohol. Yeah. Meth is the new it, alcohol. It, it is a much, much bigger problem than people realize. Right. Um, so I went and talked to the folks at Sandag, because I'm on the board of directors at Sandag, okay. and we keep all the statistics. And it turned out that the DEA told me that about maybe seven years ago, the drug cartels decided they wanted to be in the methamphetamine business. Wow. So they ran off or killed all the people that were, that were selling meth here in America. And they, they built... So that they can take over. <clears throat> they built these big Johnson & Johnson type super labs in the, in, the parts, in the parts of Mexico where the government is afraid to go. Wow. Because the cartels rule the landscape way, way deep in places like Chihuahua. Right. <clears throat> and um, what they did was they started producing a methamphetamine that was, instead of being about 30% pure, which was the kind of meth that we were seeing on the streets back in the early 90s, it now jumped to being 95% pure. Wow. And about a third the cost of the previous meth. So what happened was a lot of young people... <clears throat> Right. They're going to college, they're working, they're, they're doing their thing. And, they, and of course, young people are oftentimes more experimental. and They, they, they like a thrill. And so mm-hmm. it's more likely for them to try these drugs. And a lot of them were becoming very addicted very quickly. Right. Um, they would have now severe psychiatric problems because Absolutely. Meth, the, the meth was affecting their brains in, right. in a permanent way. Right. And they were unable to continue... Functioning in normal society, they couldn't. And hold it's it. a very hard drug. One of the hardest drugs to get off of. It's tough, right? So not not much of a physical dependence, but a significant psychological dependence. Yes. So is that what you're seeing in El Cajon? A lot of younger uh, homeless population <clears throat> who are meth addicted. Yeah, and okay. probably more disturbing is that these folks have no interest in getting off the streets. Right. So this concept that if we would just build more shelters, if we would um, decrease housing cost, yeah, that's that's, that's another a show. <laughs> <laughs> but if we, you know, everybody approaches it like if the government would just do more, mm-hmm. these, we wouldn't have this problem. Well, I, I I differ with that. I I talk to these people, and these people have no interest in going into a government program or right. a private program or any kind of program. Right. They like the freedom of being on the streets. It's um, it serves their entire criminal network right <clears throat> and it and if you're very addicted and you're not motivated yet to get clean you you don't want to be right, in a shelter and follow say, all the if rules you go to say vincent's or you go to the rescue mission they're, they're, the first thing they're gonna do is say you can't be here if you're using mm-hmm. and these people have no intention of stopping using right now interestingly enough i take a huge amount of criticism and heat for even uttering those words mm-hmm. i wrote a article for um, the San Diego Union about the amount of drug and alcohol use I see in, in right. the homeless population. And people from all over the world wrote me hate mail because they, it, it goes against the narrative that the left is trying to say about what homelessness really is. They want to say that homelessness is because there's not the enough jobs. The not doing enough. The, the, the house, price of housing is too much, which I agree the price, house of pricing is right. the, the cost of housing do a is too job. much. Regulating that. <clears throat> but think about this. So the average, the median house in San Diego is going for about 500000 mm-hmm. What if we somehow magically could slash the cost of that to $250,000? Right. Do you think that, that the person who's addicted to the They're math, still not going to be able to afford it. No, because they, can, they can't work and they... And my view on that is we have to address the mental illness, don't you think? The addiction. Because that's the source of the problem. I, I think so. So how are you guys trying to to address that challenge in El Cajon? Probably the, the thing we've done is the most innovative is we got involved in a public-private partnership with an organization called the East County Transitional Living Center. Yes, I heard about them. It's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
a group of business people uh, got money together to buy an old hotel, which ser- solved a couple of problems because it was a hotel where there was a lot of crime was right. happening. So they went in and they, they um, got rid of all the people that were committing crimes mm-hmm. out of that hotel. And what they did is they offered it up to people that needed to get off the streets, not just individuals, but families. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the same rules as, say, the traditional shelters? Oh, they do. <clears throat> they do. But they, they approached it in a different way. Um, one of our our leading business people uh, offered up two properties way out in the Scanso Boulevard. Wow. And they built a men's and a woman's ranch with housing and if you're addicted to drug and alcohol, if you come into the program, you've got to be willing to go out to that ranch until you're clean and sober. And that could be six months or a year. Wow. And that's the difference because <clears throat> traditional mental health approaches right. to, to treating addiction is we'll get you into a 28-day program, a, a 30-day program. Yes, yes. And you should be good to go and mm-hmm. you know, you're out and make sure you go to a bunch of meetings. Yeah, it doesn't really match what we know about addiction. No. There's a disconnect. No, and what we're finding is that <clears throat> these people that get into the East County Transitional Living Center and they go and they, they stay in one of these places for a year, mm-hmm. they come back with a much healthier mind. Right. They, now they've been off drugs and alcohol for and way out in the, in, the, in the sticks. About 80% of the people that go there actually make it through the program. Wow. Which is, if you know recidivism rates. In, yes, very high. Uh, you know, if you go to Mesa Vista, I don't want to pick on Mesa Vista. <laughs> it, 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 any treatment center. Any treatment, you know, mm-hmm. any traditional treatment center mm-hmm. in San Diego. I don't know the specific recidivism rates, but usually it's around 5% or less. Right. Um, East County Transitional Living Center is uh, saying that they have 80%. Now, part of that's a little bit skewed because um, when people come in, they're told that they have to go out to this ranch, and a lot of the people that wouldn't survive, they 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 self um elect to leave you know, they, they get out they say mm-hmm. no way am i gonna go out you know in the sticks where, where i can't get access to any drugs or right any of the other things that my vice it's is very that, scary that I for them. Be involved in. mm-hmm. so um when they come back though after the six months or a year then they get into uh there's two more phases of the program right <clears throat> the next phase is where they have a very structured environment but they're out there working Okay. And who's providing the treatment? Because it's not just a housing crisis, right? It's also access to care. Yeah, they have, they have treatment there at the, at the program. Okay. But they, they, that is uh, for free for the, yeah, yeah. For the client. It's, it's all free. Wonderful. Now, the clients help pay for some of this because they go out to work and some of their paycheck is used to, for their food, right. food and lodging. Yeah. Once, they, once they get to a, a higher level of the program where they can do that. But also some of their paycheck is set aside so that when they finally leave the program a, a year, year and a half after that, they have a nest egg. They, they can rent an apartment. And they can. And this is all funded by the private businesses? Wow. It's wow. funded by private businesses and uh, the city of El Cajon. We, we do fund it as much as we legally can. Now, you would think this, this, this wonderful program would be beyond criticism, but we have <clears throat> been constantly sued by... Um, anti-religious groups. What are the criticisms? That, you, that we're using federal, we're using city money to help a religious organization because oh. they, there's a religious component, uh, component to, the, to the organization. So we've... Well, AA is based on, you yeah, know... That's a, yeah, that's a higher power. So I, you know, I guess it's... Right. As long as you can choose your own higher power. I guess, uh, yeah. So but the way that, we've got that's around, the criticism is because there's a religious component to it. But the way we've gotten around it, we, we don't fund the religious portion of the program. We, we, we fund the winter shelter part, portion of the program. Right. So um, we give vouchers for people that they, they can go stay for a week or a month right. during the cold months. I'd yeah. like to think that if it's helping, well, you I know, would, I would like, to, I'd like the... to think that too. But <laughs> there's, there's, always, a lot of politics. there's always somebody these days who um, wants to fight no matter what, no matter what, what you do. Mm-hmm. But I'm proud of the program. I think it's um, innovative. <clears throat> I don't see anything else like it in the county. No. Um, when I was doing my research, those are, that was one of the programs I thought that, um, you know, San Diego County doesn't have or the city of San Diego doesn't have and a way back home. 
was another program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the Way Back Home program <clears throat> was, uh, we, we do that in conjunction with the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I don't think it's very expensive. I, I think we put like $60,000 right. into that. Right. And what they do is they go out and reach out to people on the streets and they say, you know, why are you homeless? Do you want to get off the streets? Some people say, well, I'd love to go back to Tennessee, but, you know, I burned all my bridges. My family hates me. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I have nowhere to go. And at that point, the, the social workers in that program say, well, if we can talk to your family and tell them that you want to come back, um, would you be interested to say, oh, I'd love to go. My dad will never let me come home, but, you know, right. I'd love to go. So they help. Uh, they facilitate that. The, we've, had, we've had a lot of people go back home through that program. So that's, that's, a, it's a, that's really, really amazing. Honestly, yeah, when you think it, about it. It's good in both in both sense, senses because it's good for the individuals to go mm-hmm. back to a, a, mm-hmm. a place where they have a, a structure and they, they have resources. But it's good for us, and we, we get people off the streets that are not. Yes, and it's good for the structure of society, in my opinion, because I believe a lot of the problems we're having with homelessness and mental health is related to the disintegration of the family unit. I, you know? I couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. So what a wonderful uh, idea that you guys put into action. Got pain, inflammation, redness, stiff muscles? San Diego Cryotherapy can help. You'll feel the results immediately and with consistent use, you are sure to feel better. Using the benefits of cold therapy, San Diego Cryotherapy can help you heal naturally from injuries, speed up recovery from exercise, and support your overall wellness. Check out their infrared sauna and cryo tea shock. After a stressful day, the amazing infrared sauna will help you unplug, detox, and rejuvenate. Cryotherapy tea shock is the new craze in weight loss and body contouring. It can target stubborn areas and support your weight loss goals. People report amazing results in just a few sessions. Cryotherapy offers fitness, wellness, and beauty benefits to individuals striving to improve their overall well-being. Wouldn't you like to look and feel better? Explore the science and process behind cryotherapy at sandiegocryotherapy.com. Don't let the pain and inflammation hold you back. Start feeling and looking better today. Visit sandiegocryotherapy.com. That's sandiegocryotherapy.com. So, Mayor, do you think we have a mental health and homelessness crisis in America? <laughs> you look at Los Angeles that's infested with rats. San Francisco, which was infested with rats. Typhoid fever, which we thought was eradicated, but it's back. Right. Leprosy in the homeless camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think we got a pretty big problem. Um, I think it's uh, California leads the way mm-hmm. in this problem, but yeah, I think it's a national problem as well. Yes, I was in Texas a couple of months ago, and I was really surprised at the number of homeless people that um, approached us. They were a lot more aggressive than what I was used to, and I was shocked. And I think lot, it's happening everywhere. Yeah, there, there's been a general liberalization of the kind of laws and rules around homelessness. I think we've kind of gotten off track where we as a society really question whether or not it's our fault that people are homeless and we have some responsibility to kind of facilitate their homelessness. And, and we do as a nation, we facilitate homelessness. I'm, you know, I'll give you an analogy. <clears throat> I'm, are you a parent? Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so how, how old are your kids? Uh, I have one uh, five-year-old. All right, so imagine that five-year-old though was a uh, 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. And that 15-year-old said, mom, here's the deal. I'm, I'm not going to go to college. I don't really want to ever have a job. I, I'm pretty much, I, I like to do drugs and alcohol, and I like to just live for, free. So I'll make you a deal. A lot of the things I'm thinking of saying, I would not um, want to be heard on air. You, yeah, exactly. So, so your, your, your child says, I'll make you a deal. Give me $1,000 a month. Don't ask me any questions. Let me live in any way that I want to live. And I'll... I won't bother you. I'll be out of your hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, you won't have to worry about it. It's a, it's a done deal. If you said yes to that and gave that 15-year-old $1,000 a month to, to go be do drugs and be homeless and to right. run around and go crazy, would that make you a good or a bad parent? A bad parent. I would think so. An right? enabler, right? I think in, most in people our, would agree. But that's uh, exactly world. what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> if, if you are addicted to drugs and alcohol right. and you want to be homeless, 
you can go to a hospital or to a psychiatrist and say, I can't function any longer because I, I'm, a, I'm a drug addict. I want to be a drug addict. I'm not going to stop being a drug addict. And they can fill, file paperwork. Right. And, and now you're on SSI, and so you get a $800 to $1,000 a month in that. Another two to $400 in food stamps. Um, you have psychiatric hospitals at your disposal anytime you need to get off the street for a couple of days and get a shower and get some rest. Right. Um, and we as a society say, yeah, that's okay. Um, what's the alternative? Well, you know, provided that it is a mental health illness, right? And that change, the change process, if we just talked about it clinically, everybody's in different stages. Yeah. So I think it's unrealistic to expect that we're just going to completely eradicate homelessness and mental health, uh, illnesses and addiction. You know, I think there's things we can do to improve the situation, but I, I don't believe that we're able to fully eradicate it because of that's the different stages that people are at in their disease. Well, I, I think the first thing you have to do is em embrace what the problem is. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how you could solve any problem without really agreeing what the problem is, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we as a society are not in agreement. And how we conceptualize it. Well, yeah, well, but what, what's the problem? Why are people homeless? Um, a lot of people tell you it's because there's not enough housing or there's, there's uh, rents are too high right. and that jobs are hard to get. But if you ask any cop or any ER doc or any ER nurse, they're going to tell you what the real problem is. It's drugs and alcohol. Right. Uh, I think we have to wrap our heads around that. As, but that's as, the bigger question, right, is why are so many of our citizens addicted? You know, that's, that, that's a hard Right. Thing the answer I think because other countries we talked uh, offline don't have a homelessness problem the way we do. Well, I, I think I think <laughs> one of the one of the reasons we're addicted is we allow people to be addicted. Mm -hmm. um, if 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 you're in the process of becoming addicted and you live, I I, I assume I don't know much about Russia, but I'm assuming that they don't have uh, like this big safety net for for people. Right. Um, people say, well, if I use drugs and alcohol or vodka to the point where I can no longer keep my factory job, then I will be sleeping on the streets in Moscow in sub-zero cold right. and I will die. And maybe that's not what I that's want That's a do. deterrent. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think we don't in, have in America, we don't, we don't have that. If, mm -hmm. if, if you are in your mind thinking, well, I'm really getting addicted. What's going to happen to me? Right. And somebody comes and says, man, don't worry about it. You, you know, you go down and get social security. We get, places to get free meals every day you can steal right up to 950 dollars without being prosecuted every day right um there's a whole homeless lifestyle that that, that it's okay in america we, we let people be homeless um i think there are some people who make a calculated decision that um uh, i don't want to be one of those suckers who has a job and goes and works every day mm -hmm. gives all that money for rent and for food and still has trouble surviving you know, right. I, I'll, I'm going to bypass all that and just live on my wits. Right. If we didn't enable it as a society, they couldn't do that. Now, the question is, how do we, you know, go from it's, here to there? And so there's, there's, no e there's no easy answer. Mm -hmm. But I, if we had the answer, we would have been, um, we wouldn't have a worsening homelessness problem. I think that, that we have to um, be intellectually honest mm -hmm. and take a, a serious look at what we've created and what the consequences of that are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before we can start solving the problem. Right. Supporting local business isn't always convenient, but at Ortiz Market, it is. Ortiz Market has all your shopping needs right at the corner of Escondido Boulevard and 13th Avenue in Escondido. They're family owned and operated and feature a huge selection of local beverages. And if they don't have what you're looking for, they'll order it for you. That means you can get what you want without the long lines you find at big name supermarkets. The best part is they care about serving our community and are here to join the fight to destigmatize mental health and let people know you are not alone. Visit Ortiz Market today at the corner of Escondido Boulevard and 13th Avenue in Escondido. How much do you think access to care is a problem, a contributing factor? Do we have enough services? To, well, you know, it, it depends on what you're talking about. Um, no, probably not. Mm -hmm. um, it, access to mental health care and access yes. to detox mm -hmm. care are all pretty much non-existent right now. Right. Um, back 
way in the 80s when, when I was starting in psychiatry, psychology. Mm-hmm. If somebody came in, they wanted the detox, they generally had lots of options. Right. Uh, now, if somebody comes into the ER and they want to detox, <clears throat> unless they're actively a DTs. Right. And there, there's a possibility that they, death. they could die. That's, yeah. They can't. In fact, I remember working in the hospital where people would come in and they wanted to be detoxed off alcohol. They were drinking a gallon right. of vodka a right. day. And they definitely needed help. But they didn't meet any criteria. So you had to turn them away. I would tell them, I said, look, go home, don't drink, come back tomorrow, and when your vital signs are crazy and you're shaking, then we can we can. Then you'll you. meet criteria. Then I'll meet. For admission. Uh, then I will meet. Yeah. The, I would admit them medically. Yes. And get at least get them through their detox. And it's a ter- it's a stupid way to, to, right. to handle that. So that's part of the problem, Mayor. Right. Is oh. is that we don't we're not funding enough of these services to help really solve oh, the root cause yeah, the money, um, yeah. Here, like I, I told you, I was a conservative before, but I'm going to tell you something that's going to make me sound like a liberal. <laughs> um, Which means you're being objective. <laughs> well, hopefully, I'm being honest. Um, I I would like to give you the conservative line that that we should uh, spend less, right, and conserve more. Mm-hmm. But the reality is. We are trying to drain the ocean with a teacup, right? And um, and we, spending money on this will alleviate other yeah, it, other uh, problems that we are already spending money on anyway. There are consequences to actions, mm-hmm. and when we closed all the psychiatric hospitals, and they did through the nation, right? Back in the late seventies, early eighties, right? Um, there, this is the consequence. This is what we're we are reaping. What, the consequences of what those, those politicians sowed mm-hmm. back in the in in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. We are not going to get out of this cheap. Yeah, and and it's going. I have no idea how much it's going to cost, but I I would think it would be um, one of the massive, most massive federal uh, funding programs we've ever had. Right, right. And I don't look, know. I'd rather see it go to that than to studying global warming like like AOC wants to do. I mean, I don't know of any politician who's really talking about mental health and trying to address this Why problem. Why would you, if if you're if you're a career politician mm-hmm. and your your goals are staying popular and getting reelected? Right. Um, That's it, why I was so refreshingly pleased when I saw your bio and your profile that this was one of the things on your agenda. Homelessness and and mental health problems is not a very sexy topic. I mean, <laughs> People, are, you know, if we spend a trillion dollars on this, what is the average person getting? Nothing, really. It, right. It's not affecting their house. They're, it's right. just going to raise their taxes. Right. But what it does is it gives them gives them their city back. It gives them their yes. You know, I was called in front of a grand jury a couple of years ago, right. and they pointed fingers at me and said, "Why won't you open up your parks to a homeless? You know, that's a perfect place for the homeless to camp." Mm-hmm. I said because the the parks aren't for the homeless. The parks are for the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so what does the what does the community get by um, decreasing homeless in the community? Well, their property values go up. They get their parks back for their kids and they, safety. They get safety. They get to be able to walk from the the car to the store without being accosted by four right. people asking for money. And the non tangible, which is increases and improves community morale, which is. Very important. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we all have um, developed a certain amount of learned helplessness, right? And have just accepted this as this way it has to be. Well, why? why exactly. Why, why does we it are the richest, most powerful country in the world. Yeah, this absolutely. is why I'm, I have a sh- a show on mental cool. health because it's like, why are we being complacent? In Oklahoma, we we do not allow people to sleep on the streets, and we do not allow tents. We move people along now. Are there people that sleep on the streets? Yeah. Yes, by and, choice. And we're 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 constantly chasing after them. It's like whack a ball. You know, we we move them from one place to another. And, right. But there's other cities in this in this. Um, I'm not going to point them out. I yep. think you all know. But there are places where you can drive around in San Diego County where you mm-hmm. see uh, miles of tents and yes. filth and people sleeping. And a recent Hep uh, C outbreak or not very uh, recent. A, yeah. Sorry, happy. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I, um, I myself, and the other city council members 
have taken a stand against that. We're we're going to fight back right right up to the limit of the law. You know, be, but you, I remember that, and you took some heat for that. Oh yeah, well yeah, I take a lot of heat for that. Right, but I thought that was a great choice. You were trying to uh, protect people from contaminating, getting contaminated and yeah, infected. Yeah, if you want to talk about that, we can. I, mm-hmm. uh, what happened was there was a hepatitis outbreak in San Diego, also in El Cajon, and it was. Uh, the genesis of that was the ground, ground zero was the homeless encampments. Right. And the I talked to the epidemiologist from San Diego who said, you know, you should probably stop feeding of people in this one park. And ironically, it's Wells Park. My name is Bill Wells. It's not <laughs> my park. but um, And so I thought, yeah, from a medical perspective, yes. that's a simple thing. It's just thing. common sense, in right. my opinion. You know, it, it, it seemed like it would be non-controversial well right let me tell you what it got to be really controversial the bbc picked it up yes and the way they reported it was uh local mayors trying to starve the homeless and we weren't trying to starve the homeless they had a dozen other places to go eat every day right um they didn't miss a meal right from a very young age i knew that i wanted to help people i wanted to change things for the better and be part of the solution Through a lot of hard work and determination, I achieved my dream of owning a private practice known as Transcend Therapy, where we provide counseling for individuals, couples, and families. I've always been passionate about helping people resolve the things in life that may be holding them back or creating pain. Launching Get Mental Radio was just the next step towards helping more people, because our mental health is just as important as our physical health. Life is tough, and if you're struggling, you're not alone. We can help you weather the storm. Hi, I'm Cecile Ahrens, owner of Transcend Therapy. We truly care and are committed to giving you the best service. You are not going to feel like just another client, and you are definitely not going to feel judged. We offer quality, compassionate, results-driven therapy services. For more information, check us out at TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. They, um, we just didn't want to perpetuate the problem in that area mm-hmm. where we had, we knew that, that hepatitis A was fomenting there. Right. So I um, think that was responsible on your on your part. Well, look, I, I I made a promise to myself when I got elected that I would do the right thing no matter what. Mm-hmm. And part of that is accepting the fact that sometimes people get thrown out of office for doing the right things. Right. And I think you have to be willing to to uh, say goodbye to politics if. Mm-hmm. If what you have to do to to protect people makes right. you unpopular for a, a period of time, then you lose an election and, and you're done, right. and that's okay. I have a life that's a very full life. I don't mm-hmm. need to be in politics. I enjoy it, but I don't need it. Right, integrity. Have 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 the integrity I, to do the right thing. Yeah, I I promised myself that I I wouldn't mm-hmm. get so wrapped up in it that I would start start doing things that I knew were wrong in order to protect that. Right. So. Speaking of politics, what do you think we need to do in California politically to address this um, this crisis? Well, <clears throat> the state legislature has veered so far to the left that they they are no longer making decisions that are even remotely rational. Um, I, I don't have to uh, talk a lot about that. You can look at downtown LA, you look at San Francisco, mm-hmm. you look at, pl- at other liberal cities like um, Seattle. Right. And they have created um, a liberal paradise for homeless people, but they've made it uninhabitable mm-hmm. for people who are not homeless. Um, you, what you do is you take over the legislature and you start passing a series of laws that, that, uh, give the cities the ability to clean up their own cities. Okay. Also, um, develop uh, punishments for the cities or, or you know, a carrot and a stick approach where cities do, don't get federal benefits or cities don't get state benefits if they refuse to clean up their homeless po- problem. You know, like I said earlier, when you get to the point where you've got an infestation of rats and leprosy and cholera. Right. Diphtheria. That- um, <clears throat> That's a public health safety it is issue. A, the, even the bubonic plague was found. Which mm. wow, I did not know that. In L.A. Yeah, oh, you know wow. we've got we've got antibiotics now for for the bubonic plague. 
Um, but nevertheless, it, it should be an indication that things are out of control. Absolutely. And so the state legislature has to act. Right. They have to act responsibly. They have to stop using California as an experimental laboratory where we can try all these new concepts out and there's no consequences because there are consequences, a lot of consequences. What about having more money for services? <laughs> for, for a lack of a better way to put it, I think politically we need to, you know, have a bigger budget I, for, for treatment. Here's the problem with that. The federal government says it's the state's problem. The states say it's the county's problem. Uh, the county says it's the, passing the, county the, says the hot it's potato. City's, city's problem. And the city says we don't have any money. Right. We don't have any money to spend. And we don't. Um, all the cities are, are barely getting by now because of the cost of pensions and, and other uh, costs associated with, with trying to run a city. Um, there's no money for homelessness. And so everybody just shrugs their shoulders and say, well, I, I, it's not my problem. It's, it's so-and-so's problem. Mm -hmm. um, the state has to um, take responsibility and to, to develop um, a system. And that system is going to be an engine that runs on the fuel of money. Right. And they are going to have to invest billions of dollars into this. Right. In, in California. It's not just, I don't, I don't believe housing alone will fix this problem. No, we need to get, we need to help get people off drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. We need to have some disincentives to continue the, to use drugs and alcohol. I think that if you get caught using once, you get a warning. If you get caught using twice, you lose your benefits for a month. If you mm -hmm. got, get caught three times, mm -hmm. you lose your benefits for six months. Um, it's harsh. Right. But there's no way to just always pat people on the head and say, oh, go ahead and continue living this lifestyle. There's no consequences. Right. Because pe people will the, just naturally gravitate towards some people. Right. Will naturally gravitate towards that, that lifestyle. Such a complicated uh, problem that I think is very multi-layered. Um, do you think we need more work needs to be done on destigmatizing mental health? And if so, <clears throat> how? How can, we, how can we continue to do that? Well, I can tell you that I think that the, the problem of stigmatization is significantly less than when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I um, would agree. You know, um, when I was uh, young, my, my dad was a great guy, but he had uh, mental health problems. And he had eventually killed himself. Oh, wow. And Sorry to hear that. Yeah, you know, well, it was a long time ago. It was in 1970. But um, I can tell you that the stigmatization of, back then of having a family member that did that was massive. I mean, right. it, you know, we, we lived in fear of somebody finding out about that. And then when they did, it was the just, shame. You know, just so much shame yeah. and so much separation from the rest of society because, because of what happened. Right. Um, I don't see that now. I see people talking openly about suicidality about depression mm -hmm. i see people talking openly saying yeah my son is schizophrenic or my my daughter has bipolar disorder mm -hmm. um i don't think that that our big problem is stigmatization right now i i think our big problem is uh access to treatment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and and our our the the ability to afford right treatment proper treatment and then consistency of treatment. So yes. a lot of people will get in, they'll see a psychiatrist, they'll get on some meds, but then they run out of meds mm -hmm. and they can't get back in to see the psychiatrist mm -hmm. and they can't, the The county has closed most of their programs. Um, you, it used to be that uh, UCSD had uh, med management programs where people can go. Right. Most of those programs have been closed down because of lack of funding. So, and then, here, here's the catch-22 about the Obamacare situation. Mm -hmm. Well, we used to have a lot of people that were unfunded, and, and that was a problem. And then, then they all got funded. And so, but okay, there are well, not great. enough providers. But the, the, the reimbursement is so low right. that most psychiatrists, even if— And therapists. Yeah. Couldn't afford. I mean, they, they can't do it full time. Yes. Um, they, they, if they're really civic minded, they may, they may open up their clinic mm -hmm. one, one day a week to, to low income right. Medi-Cal patients. And they I don't, did that. they don't really get, but enough. you can't live off of it. You cannot. No, you don't yeah. get enough. You don't get enough funding to even mm -hmm. pay for your staff. That's another subject because, you know, I think uh, a lot of mental health staff, ex with the exception of psychiatrists, 
don't get compensated appropriately. Well, I, yeah, I, I would say that's probably true. <laughs> Maybe you could lobby for that. <laughs> um, well, the whole system is is yeah is pretty well broken. Yes, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's beyond repair. I, I certainly think no. It, I, and think I think if, there's if a lot of improvements it, that have been made, but we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah. What see what's all what it's going to really take is is for people to get excited about this this issue to demand mm-hmm. that. Uh, a wealthy country like America, mm-hmm. um, do more. Would we'll do what do what needs to be done, right? And, yeah, and stop playing around the edges. Have the this. political will, you know, because it's hurting our younger people. Right, teen suicide rates are rising. Veteran suicide is at its worst. Yes. Um, the opioid opioid addiction now homelessness. I mean, we could go on and on and on, and it just does not make sense to me that you know. We have all this research and and money and power, yet this problem is worsening. Even though this, the stigmatization has improved, it's still worsening. So that to me is the disconnect, and I don't know if we have the answer to that, honestly. Um, any advice on what local citizens can do to be part of the solution? Well, this is a tough one, but uh, don't give money to the homeless people. Right. Um, Tell us more about why you think that, and I'll, I'll, I'll add my two cents because I, I do believe that there there is truth to that. Well, I'm, by the way, I'm, I, I'll put my money where my mouth is. We we went on a, um, a pretty large uh, mm-hmm. campaign to ask people not to give uh, money to the homeless people. We put signs up on all the lamp posts uh, in the in the median. So he said, "Don't." We don't want people. Look, if if you want to encourage change change you don't tax people for it. if you want to discourage something you tax it you feel like it's enabling well it definitely is if if, if you go and, and give ten dollars to somebody on the street right i, I know this is cynical but the, the chances are that money's going to go to drugs yeah i used to give money until i got educated by a couple of my interns who worked at um, salvation army yeah, and they said, you know, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Just give them food. So that's what I do now. I well, give them water, food. I buy them a sandwich. Yeah. Well, so remember the East County Transitional Living Center we were talking about? Mm-hmm. They serve five hundred thousand meals a year. Mm-hmm. They have gotten it down to seventeen cents a meal. Wow. Uh, because they they get a lot of donations from uh, grocery stores and from uh, restaurants. Right. Um, they have one chef that they hire. And he oversees all the residents' help with the cooking and the cleaning. Right. And, um, imagine if you gave somebody on the streets 17 cents and say, go get a meal. They couldn't do that. Mm-mm. Now, luckily, you know, with the cost of fast food now, it's seven, eight bucks to get. Right. Even get, that's gone up. Right. To get one meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're giving money, if you if your heart is to help people get mm-hmm. fed mm-hmm. and get them off the streets and stuff, you're giving money to something that's going to go down a black hole. Right. If you give money to a place like the Salvation Army, the East County Transitional Living Center, right. Crisis House, Alpha Project, um, they're good, at least going to be able to maximize that money, that money and, and make it go. So a if you gave way. that same $10 on, I don't know what's, Right. What's ten dollars divided by seventeen, 17. cents? It's, it's you know it's a lot. thirty or forty. A lot meals. of meals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the takeaway: is don't give them money. If you're going to give them money, give it to um, an agency that can maximize that. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're not encouraging people and enabling them to stay on the streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you, if it hurts your soul to not give, and I, I get that. I'm like I'm that kind of person too. Mm-hmm. Think back to that analogy of, of your child. If my daughter were to want to right. live on the streets, would I give? You know, if she if she came in off the streets all disheveled and and said, "Could I just have twenty bucks to go out and I'm gonna go right back out?" But mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think I'd participate in that. I'd say, you know, I, I'm not participating in in your destruction. Right. Tough love approach. Yeah, yeah. it works uh, most of the time. So uh, final thoughts, Mayor. Um, is there anything else you would like our listeners and viewers to know about um, as far as your goals and vision for El Cajon as it relates to the homelessness problem and the mental health uh, situation over there? Well, <clears throat> I can tell you that our thoughts are evolving. 
on this. I, when I first got involved in this, I really was against the idea of supportive housing. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the past few years, my mind has begun to change about that. I saw how well supportive housing worked in places like um, Houston. Right. Houston used to have 13,000 people on the streets, and now they have 3,000 people on the streets. And the, part of that is because they've built supportive housing. Mm-hmm. The problem with supportive housing is that if you do it by yourself, then everybody just flocks to it, right? Mm-hmm. So it has to be an agreement amongst all the cities to everybody develop supportive housing, mm-hmm. and then we all take our share of the burden. Right. So you th- are you saying that you're planning to... Um have more supportive housing in El Cajon or you're we're, we're looking at getting look- fu- funding for that and trying to figure out how to make that happen. I, I, unfortunately I used to believe that a lot of these people would be able to get rehabilitated and go back into the right. workforce. Right. But those, especially those who are addicted to methamphetamines, right. There's a certain percentage of them that are not going to have the wherewithal to ever do it, be really back in into a situation where they're paying for themselves. So right. we can either have people on the streets or we can have them supportive housing. Right. And the data says it's actually cheaper to keep them in supportive housing than to have them. I believe. I believe that. That makes sense. Because, you know, about 35% of our police budget mm-hmm. is spent moving homeless people around. Right. You know. And then addressing the crimes. A huge, a huge percentage of our 911 calls for medical aids right. are going out and dealing with homeless situations. And right. so if we get people off the streets... It's actually cheaper, and I think it's more compassionate. Right. Um, that's probably where the future is going to be. Okay. But like I said, it can't be one city in a vacuum doing it because the whole homeless population would then descend upon that city. You have to have all the cities doing it together. Right, right. Um, well, thank you so much for your time and sharing your thoughts and uh, you know, being really um, committed to this cause. Like I said, you know, there aren't many politicians that I know that are really um, trying to tackle this problem in a real and meaningful way. Did we really get through 45 minutes already? Yes, 48. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that was fast. Thanks for, Thank thanks for so having much. me. All right, yes. bye-bye. Yes. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is uh, Mayor Bill Wells, and this is Get Mental, Cecile Ahrens, owner of Transcend Therapy. Thank you for listening, and be well and be gentle until next time. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. Don't